Hello everyone and welcome to Oki Investigations. My name is Trevor Shelby. In this episode, we're going to discuss the murder of 19-year-old Ruth Harris. She was betrayed by the man she once wanted to marry. In this episode, we'll discuss what happened, why, and what's happened since. But first, if you're a first-time listener to experience this podcast to its finest, Hit that subscribe button so when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Then, head on over to our Facebook page. Here we can discuss the case together, and perhaps come up with our own theories on the many cases that will be featured on this show. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash Investigations. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I hope you had a wonderful week despite the times that we're currently living in. 2020 has been quite the year, and there's only a few weeks left in it. Let's all hope that 2021 does us a little better than what this year has given us. We got our Spotify wrap-up this week, kind of an overview of how our podcast has done this year and how many listeners we've had pretty much from where uh, the listens are coming from. And it was fun to see that we're being listened to in several different countries from all over the world. It's pretty cool for a podcast that is pretty generalized for our little state. But that's Oklahoma, isn't it? We're a state that's kind of thrown together with people from all over the world. So if you're listening from another state or another country, hop on over to our Facebook page and let us know where you're listening from. We'd love to hear from you. We've been buckling down and researching some pretty interesting cases here at the OIHQ. I'm pretty eager to get these out to you guys. I think you're going to enjoy them. This week, we're continuing our trek through Oklahoma's darker history with a case that's filled with betrayal and several twists and turns. So let's get to it. The year is 1926 in Miami, Oklahoma. 19-year-old Ruth Harris is a boarder who lives with her fiancé's sister. Miss Eva Marks. But Ruth was in a bit of a predicament. You see, she was in love with her current fiancé, Walter Wigger, and also in love with another man, Edward Monty. Each man had their own pros and cons. Walter was her first love, but he was also a little older. He was 11 years her senior. Edward was the new man in her life and was the same age as Ruth. And also, he had a steady job as a miner in Kansas and had not been in trouble with the law. You see, Walter was a former inmate at both the Missouri and Oklahoma State pens. It didn't take long for Ruth to make a decision. She was falling fast in love with Edward. And when she told him so, he proposed and she accepted. Now, like we stated before, Ruth was staying at the home of Eva Marks, who was the sister of her soon-to-be ex-fiancé, and somehow, Walter caught wind of what was going on behind his back. We don't know if he was told by his sister, who may have suspected something, with Ruth having a male guest at the home, or perhaps she found the marriage license that was applied for in the state of Kansas. Or perhaps he found out by some other means. Either way, finding out had a devastating effect. Once the cat's out of the bag, 
and there's no going back. And for everyone involved, it was a life-changing moment. Walter Wigger, enraged by the news of the betrayal, sought out his former bride-to-be with knife in hand. He found not only her, but she was with Edward as well. They were leaving his sister's home, hand-in-hand, to go on a stroll around the neighborhood. Quickly and without warning, Walter snuck up behind them and grabbed Ruth from behind. Before Edward could act, Walter pulled Ruth's head back and slashed Ruth's throat so violently that he almost severed her head. Afterwards, Walter looked at Edward and stated, You better take her to the Undertaker's. Now, Walter was restrained by others that were at the home, and Edward was able to commandeer a vehicle to get Ruth to the hospital, but sadly, it was too late. She died from her wounds. When questioned by authorities, he said he was angered that Edward would court his girl, and he was so angry, in fact, that he remembered no part of the crime. He blacked out and doesn't remember a single thing that happened. Now, after his arrest, Walter was being held in the Ottawa County Jail. And he intended on leaving on his own terms, which means escaping. Here's a news article from the Ardmore Daily Press dated January 6, 1927. Now, this actual escape attempt happened on January 5th. An attempt Tuesday of Walter Wigger, former convict held in the Ottawa County Jail on a murder charge to overpower E.E. E. Simpson, sheriff, obtained his revolver and fight his, way to free- and fight his way to freedom was unsuccessful. The prisoner showed... The prisoner showered the sheriff's eyes and face with red pepper. But Simpson, though temporary blinded, subdued Wigger. The attempted break occurred shortly after the sheriff had ordered his deputies to make some changes in the quartering of prisoners. Tuesday, Sheriff Simpson told Bert McGee, undersheriff, and George Payton, jailer, to change Wigger from a back cell to a front cell. Wigger refused to make the change. The officers then telephoned Sheriff Simpson and asked him to come to their assistance. The sheriff and John Arundel, deputy, went to the jail. So it's pretty interesting here that Walter uh, tried to make some form of early pepper spray. (laughs) And he shoved it in the eyes of the sheriff and tried to subdue him and take his revolver. But that didn't go as planned. They were probably already kind of concerned about maybe an escape attempt by Walter, which is why they were changing his cells to a back cell, to a front cell. I really don't know the design of this gel, but a lot of gels of this time had a uh, unique design where you the back cells may be a little bit more private. So if you were in a front cell, maybe a guard could see you a little bit more often. Now, it's the very next day the trial took place and Walter's defense was that he was insane at the time of the slaying and therefore not responsible. The state disagreed, but to his credit, Walter was very bizarre during his trial. He was often sneering 
at those who testified against him. And it looked like he almost took pleasure whenever Edward had to take the stand and testify against Walter. They said that he was visibly happy whenever Edward had testified that he was actually afraid of Walter. So January 6, 1927 was the trial. By January 7th, the very next day, it was given to the jury. The jury found Wigger guilty and fixed his penalty as death. As the clerk read the verdict, tears came into Wigger's eyes. After learning his fate, he turned toward the jury and said, Gentlemen, I thank you. I could not expect anything else. Through the trial, it was stated that Wigger had maintained his innocence, saying that he did not know who had killed the young woman. Her throat was slashed, and she died almost instantly. Now, after the trial, Walter Wigger was sent to the McAllister jail, where he was waiting to be executed on the electric chair. Now, he was originally supposed to be executed on March 25th, 1927 just a few months after his conviction. But quickly, the governor had granted a stay of execution to a later date so that he could have time to file an appeal if he wanted to. Now, that stay of execution was moved to July 29th, and then he was granted a second stay of execution uh, over to December 1st, 1927. All the while, he was filing appeals that he was not sane at the time of the murder, and he should not be held responsible for what happened. Now, the state did do their part. They actually sent him to be evaluated, along with some other inmates. And what was interesting to find out was there were about five inmates that were going to be executed all on the same day. And out of those five, two of them were actually deemed insane, and their executions were then canceled, and they were moved to a facility to, uh, I guess, properly take care of them, I guess, for the time. Because <laughs> back then, I, I don't think being insane was much better than being in prison. I don't, there was no real treatment. It was still lockup. But... You weren't going to be put to death in the electric chair. I guess that's the one benefit there. Walter, however, was not one of those two people. In December, after the state determined that he was sane, the governor let the press know that he was not going to intervene further in this case. But they did hit one kind of a weird snag. So they had kind of a lapse in the stay of executions and the court had to reaffirm the death penalty which gave the attorneys another shot at maybe getting that overturned uh, they tried very hard uh, they argued their case and the court once again decided that walter would be put to death now i always find it interesting to read about how the death sentence was carried out and seems like with McAllister, everything was kind of the same. They would always bring their friends and family and then the press in. And they would get ready because they would have a series of executions typically. 
And so they would bring out the first person. They would give that person a chance to talk to the warden. And then they would have a chance to address the gallery. And so this is kind of how things were reported at the time. This is from the Blackwell Journal Tribune, dated June 29th, 1928. Walter Wigger, murderer of his sweetheart, Miss Ruth Harris, in Ottawa County, was the first to be electrocuted. Calmly smoking a cigarette, he walked alone to the death chamber and behind the steel cage, where he was asked by the warden if he had anything to say. I have nothing for these people. I have had enough publicity, and I ask they not be allowed to be here, Wigger stated with anguish. Five men strapped him to the chair, and working quickly, they adjusted the electrodes. Rich Owen, the executioner, applied the 2,300 volts at 12.09 o'clock. Wigger was pronounced dead at 12.12 o'clock. Once again working quickly, Wigger was removed from the chair and carried to a cot in the adjoining corner. With the body out of the way, they then proceeded with the other executions. This account was actually a lot more detailed than you actually normally see uh, from the papers at the time. I found this one to be uh, pretty well done and uh, pretty interesting. Walter did not want an audience for his death, but that's exactly what he got. It's a shame that he could not let go or move on with what was going on in his life at the time. It seems like Ruth and Edward were really getting ready to start their lives together, and it's pretty sad that that never happened. I want to thank you all for joining me today for this story of Oklahoma's darker history. Be sure to subscribe to the show. It's pretty important, and it helps us out quite a bit with the algorithms and how we appear on these search pages. One of the benefits is when we have new episodes, you would be the first to know. I'll see you guys next Sunday, and I hope you all have a wonderful week. See ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.